You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, it's a night to remember. Again! We are talking about the Prom Night remake and the Carrie remake. Surprise, surprise. Two highly respected films <laughs> of their era. It's prom month at Nightmare on Film Street. Prom and Sea Monster Month. So this week we are diving into some lesser talked about prom horrors. These are both remakes in their own regard. The Prom Night remake we actually saw in theaters when it came out. Sure and did. The Carrie remake, neither of us had seen before. It was uh, a blind spot for us, so we got to visit that one for the first time. But yeah, this was an adventurous episode. Normally, we find a way to jam in Michelle Pfeiffer somewhere because we really want to talk about it and we haven't had the opportunity. (laughs) And uh, this week was kind of like, um, let's watch something we haven't talked about and might not have anything to say about. (laughs) I was surprised by the 2013 Carrie. You know, it's it's quite a lot of what I expected, but it had some surprises, and I'm excited to get into it. Before we start talking about those movies, though, Kim, I gotta ask, what's keeping you creepy this week? Well, keeping in theme with prom month, we dropped a pretty fun little photo challenge slash giveaway. Hell yeah, we did. Over on social media. It is called Nightmare on Prom Street, and you can hashtag that. It is a fun little social isolation challenge. We are asking you to take a prom style photo using things you have on hand. So um, we're obviously asking you to respect your social distancing guidelines wherever you are and do the best, silliest, spookiest prom photo you can. Uh, If you want some inspiration, John and I took some (laughs) 80s-esque prom photos Uh, last week, which were super fun. And it's super simple. You just take your photo, post it on social media, tag us uh, either at NOFS Podcast on Twitter or at Nightmare on Film Street on Instagram and use that hashtag Nightmare on Prom Street. And we're going to give away some sweet prizes. We have some like cool Goosebumps pins that I stocked up on. A whole bunch of horror t-shirts. Yeah, tons of Nightmare on Film Street stuff. It's just a fun little way for us to like, I don't know, have a cool activity and be fun and silly during this crazy quarantine so yeah check out some of those photos make your own little prom picture there are prizes for prom queen slash king and then we're also going to give away a prize for the scariest attendee so if you want to do something a little off the wall uh we encourage it yeah i dressed up like the dud from the mystery date game more or less like i even had a little droopy flower that i stole but uh yeah of course if you want to make this a halloween costume go for it Just make sure you're wearing a dress or a tux at the time. That's really all that counts. We've already had some pretty cool SFX entries. Like somebody did like a growth thing. We had somebody with a big crazy mouth. We had a Carrie inspired entry. Yeah. So far, we are the only ones that did like standard dumb prom (laughs) photos. (laughs) Yeah. So far, we are the lamest. Yeah. But it's kind of like a late spring Halloween costume contest, more or less. Just with whatever you got laying around the house. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't even have to be scary. If you want to throw on your mom's dress from 1982, go for it. That's not scary at all. (laughs) 
Um, but you can find out more information about that at nofspodcast.com slash prom. This weekend also kicks off the 2020 Chattanooga Film Festival. Of course, they are not holding the, the film festival as they normally had. This is a virtual edition of this year's fest, but they, of course, have screenings of some really cool movies that I'm looking forward to checking out, uh, including Skull, which kind of just looks like Brazil's version of Friday the 13th, but Ooh. like super gory, uh, really into it. But also they have a bunch of live events. Like they're doing, there's a Q&A with Guar who are answering questions live from audience members. And it's open to all U.S. residents, so you don't actually have to be in Chattanooga to experience it. We're, of course, going to be reviewing a bunch of the movies that are playing at that festival this weekend. Head over to nofspodcast.com to check out all of the highlights. In the meantime, we've been, you know, trying to keep as creepy as possible with the quarantine. Our lockdowns are starting to ease a little bit, but obviously we're we're being super careful and we're pretty much doing the same, same old, same old. So uh, weather's been a little bit nicer. So we've been out in Georgette, our RV, and getting her ready for the summer, even though I, I doubt we're going to be going anywhere this year. I mean, we can drive around the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it seems like 2020 is going to be pretty Canada exclusive for us. I think so. But... We did um, that super fun last weekend. They did the Halloween at home where uh, everybody involved in Blumhouse's 2018 Halloween did a live tweet. Jamie Lee Curtis was there. Jason Blum was there. David Gordon Green was there. A bunch of the actors. It was super fun. We actually watched it while we were working in the RV, which (laughs) was so cheesy because we were just in the driveway. And uh, it was was really fun. So we're, um, I can't wait to get the projector and stuff set up out there. We're going to be trying to do a lot more fun, I don't know, out of the house, but still technically not anywhere (laughs) fun stuff. So at this point, just leaving the house is fun. So I'm fine with that. I know, walking the dog has become like a huge highlight of it's my day. It's the biggest highlight of the day! It's like, let's go to the creek again! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> There's like a muskrat that lives there and it's become like the highlight of my life. <laughs> we named him and, oh, it's a big, it's a big thing. <laughs> um, I guess kind of in other news, did we mention that I sold my screenplay? <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast. Um, so that's what I've been working on. I've been uh, working with the producers that purchased it to work on the new draft and hopefully getting it ready so that when the world opens up, we can make a movie, which I, is really I was, cool. I was just about to do like a big, woo, congratulations. But like now I'm thinking, what if we did mention it on the podcast? Did we? I, I don't know. I don't even. And now we're just like double dipping like these assholes. <laughs> well, but it was, regardless. It was such a long time coming too. Um we were working on the deal and I've been talking back and forth with them since the end of winter. So finally when it happened, it was almost like it had already happened. So like I put the tweet out and everybody was congratulating me and it was super cool. And then I was like, but now what? <laughs> because, well, now the work begins. Well, yeah, but like quarantine. So it's, it's bittersweet because it's like, it's really cool that I've hit this milestone. I've obviously been writing for a really long time and somebody wants to make my movie, but it also happens to happen during a pandemic. So it's just like, this is just how it would go. Um, but I do have a ton of time to work on writing, so, uh, rewrite time. In some ways, it couldn't have happened at a better time. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying. That is super amazing news. Congratulations, Kim. I know everybody is happy for you. Why do you gotta give me that face? (laughs) I I really do mean this. I'm not mad or jealous at all. I'm just trying to make this segue real hard for you. (laughs) 
But speaking of RVs, last night we watched a really cool filmed performance of a theater experience called Where the Others Are. This is from E3W Productions. Uh, you may have heard us talk about the Overlook Film Festival previously and how we did a very small theater experience for two to four people that took place entirely inside a hotel room. Uh, E3W Productions are the people that had put that together, and they really specialize in personal theater experiences. Before the pandemic happened, in California, they had started Where the Others Are, which took place mostly inside an Airstream trailer. They got about two weekends of performances in before the pandemic was declared and everything started to shut down, so they quickly switched gears. They filmed the entire performance, and you can watch it beginning this Friday, May 22nd. It's definitely a shame that they aren't able to showcase this performance to more people right now. But also, you and me never would have had the opportunity to see it. Mm -hmm. It was taking place only in a small lot in Los Angeles. So seeing this film performance is the only way that you and I would have ever experienced it. But you do get a sense of how eerie and creepy it would have been to be locked inside this small trailer with these performers talking to you about their paranoia and how... You know, her husband isn't like her husband used to be and is maybe somebody else. And it's just... It's very claustrophobic. Yeah, it's super claustrophobic, but they, they do an incredible job of taking an Airstream trailer and also making it feel like it's moving in time. And you are in different places just by, you know, changing the lighting or how things are happening around you. It's They are geniuses at small theater experiences, and I highly recommend you check this movie out. It's only an hour long, but beginning May 22nd, you can find it at uh, vimeo.com slash on demand slash where the others are. It's from E3W Productions. Actually, last week we told you about a immersive game experience that's happening on Instagram right now. They're the people behind that. It's called Arcana. They're only halfway through, so you can still jump in. If you are looking for a small personal horror experience at home that you can participate in right now. And Kim, I'm sure before we get started, I'm sure you're wondering why we're recording this podcast inside of a limo right now. It should come as no surprise. Oh, uh, we are? We are on our... <laughs> let me take your blindfold off. I'm so sorry. Here, there we go. See? Hey! Drink trays, lights, track lighting. Oh. Yeah! We're on our way to prom! I'm transported. Yeah, you're even wearing your dress. You didn't even know. This is so realistic. You are, of course, my prom date, but we're... We're not going to rent a limo just for the two of us. We're bringing our friends. We're picking them up along the... How are we going to so social distance inside a limo? Shit. <laughs> Shit. This isn't going to work. All right. You know what? Plan B. Masks. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's it? Masks and gloves. Or maybe I should have just said it's the world's longest stretch limo. <laughs> <laughs> Seats 100. We're only bringing a dozen. There's at least eight feet between us and everyone else. Yeah, of course. And and their dates, you know. Uh, and of course, coming with us are Dustin, Victoria, Mike, Nat, Jocelyn, Becky, Joel, Jasmine, Megan, Charlie, Maria. Thank you all so much for helping us rent this limo. We never would have been able to make it to prom without you. Feel the lovely air conditioner blowing on your face. And, I mean, you're blowing on your mask. The tinkling of champagne glasses, but it's only apple cider because we're underage. Thank you all so much. These, you, you, Those are, of course, our most recent patrons. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to support Nightmare on Film Street, just head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street to find out about all the amazing bonus content available to you as a monthly supporter of the show. 
Yeah, we haven't talked about it much uh, lately, but we are still doing our quarantine stream and scream live streams. We are doing a Netflix party every Friday night with the patrons. Uh, we put a poll up every Monday for the week's film and we try to keep it fun and a little bit secretive. You either pick the genre. This week it's the Rotten Tomatoes rating and yep. then we pick a film uh, with that rating for all of us to watch and chat about. And it's been super fun. It's been the highlight of my week. Last I checked, I think we're watching a movie that has a 32% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I think 15%'s winning today. Oh shit. Yeah. I'm really excited. <laughs> you guys have no idea what movie that's going to be, but it's going to be good. But all that stuff is at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. Let's get into it. Let's talk about 2008's Prom Night. Bridgeport High's prom king and prom queen are... Three years ago, this guy, he got obsessed with a young female student. He went psycho. He's been in a maximum security prison up until three days ago. Claire? He's somewhere in this hotel. Is anybody here? Hello? Donna. Oh, I've missed you. What's going on? He's locked all the exits. I can't find Lisa. Please don't do this. Please don't. From 2008, Nelson McCormick's Prom Night is currently sitting at a 3.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. Uh, 17% at Metacritic, we're climbing, and a 1.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I'm definitely going to go on Letterboxd after this and read a few reviews because I bet they're super saucy. You know what I want is I want the five-star reviews. I think you can isolate it. I think you can only look at five-star reviews. You could just look at the Blu-ray on Amazon. I think you can isolate. Oh, that would work. Yeah. Yeah, that might, that makes a little more sense. <laughs> Especially because Letterboxd is more for film-type people. I can't see mm. the film crowd giving this a five-star. Probably not. <laughs> I will say, though, right out the gate. What are you saying? I... <laughs> so i think we've all seen this movie <laughs> have we though i think probably a lot of people listening to this have not seen this movie. i mean if you haven't seen this movie prom night from 1980 is a quote-unquote celebrated slasher classic i don't think it's the greatest movie i've ever seen but i'm pretty uh, the disco sequence john the disco sequence is great disco there's no denying that disco but, uh, I mean, like, the remake, you know, unfortunately came at a time where we were getting lots of remakes of those 80s slashers, and, you know, it is what it is, and it probably is exactly what you expect. That said, though, the killer in this movie makes a lot more sense than the killer in the original Prom Night. Uh, okay. And I'm, I'm standing by it. The setup of this movie has more, it, there's more legs to the setup in this movie than there is in the original Prom Night. That was a take. Especially given the, <laughs> You don't think so? Okay, so I mean, no. in, in, in the original prom night, some kids are mean when they they're kids. Maybe push her out a window and yeah. somebody saw. But <laughs> somebody saw. They lay in wait for 12 years 
and then attack everybody at school. Mm. <laughs> you love that, don't you? I do. I guess my problem is is that I do not like this movie. It is not fun. It's very it's a very bland slasher. Yes. And for a film that's set at prom and should be fun and should be like fast and full of things, it feels so going with the motions. Yeah. And we just jump. The backstory in this one is Brittany Snow's uh she plays Donna who comes home one night from like the movies or something and her brother's been murdered, her dad's been murdered with the little like the littlest amount of blood possible and somehow her mom like she's kind of come in the middle of this spree murder situation where her mom is murdered in front of her we find out the killer is like this obsessed science teacher she had or something we find that through like some weird flashbacks i yeah okay that's fine but if you're going to do like an obsessive movie you kind of have to show us the obsession. We jump right into that and then we fast forward to her actual day of prom. The, the thing that people like about prom is like the stuff leading up to prom. Like the who's <laughs> going with who and the picking out the outfits and the dresses and the inner fighting and the drama. Remember that great montage in Carrie where all the guys check out their cummerbunds? Well, yeah, and like all the, the, the catty stuff that happens at regular high school. Like a prom movie isn't actually about prom. It's about teenagers and their fucked up mean cruel relationships to each other this movie has none of that really not really because it happens right at prom so we were going to a prom for a bunch of people we don't know or care about and they're all too like one note pretty including the killer <laughs> so everything has just got this kind of like made for TV wash where there's no risks or stakes because we don't know or care about anybody. Made for TV is the best way to describe it. But in defense of the killer, let's just let's look at this. Quit defending him. Bare bones. Bare bones structure. Instead of dealing with some kids that have that were bullies and need to be punished as adults. Punish. Yeah. <laughs> we have a teacher who became obsessive of one of his students stalked her, killed her parents so they could be together, gets put in jail, escapes so that way he can murder her <laughs> at prom. <laughs> like the fact that the teacher breaks out for prom night because he's her stalker is awesome. I think that's great. You're right. They do nothing showing his obsession, showing his stalking. Like we get a, a few mo moments of him. This is the same shit that spying. you liked about the Black Christmas remake. Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, this is the exact same conversation we had. <laughs> I mean... You like breaking out movies. <laughs> I have a really good idea for a breaking out of prison movie, by the way. But, uh, no, I just... I, 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 I love that idea. I think he is a good character on paper. Mm -hmm. He's nothing in the movie. Everybody is a relatively tall glass of water. Like it's, yes. There's nothing. And they don't have anything in common with each other. Like, there's no personalities to these people. Like, at one point, there, there's so many dancing montages in this movie. Like, there is so much dancing filler. And that's not like these are songs that take me back to 2008. No, because they're just, like, cheap, easy songs, whatever. Yeah. But 
at one point you can see kind of in the periphery that one of the three couples we're following is like having a blowout and Donna the main character cuts away from her date her dancing moment with her date to go check on this this girl and the conversation they have is so vapid it's just like we're fighting and I hate him and I'm just so mad at him right now and also I have such bad cramps do you have mitol in one breath this is not how human beings relate to one another. <laughs> like even the conversation they were having when they were getting their hair done and it was just so stiff. If we had just taken a few minutes to give these girls some personalities yeah. beyond like, today is prom and we have nothing to say about, but this is the time of our lives. <laughs> and setting your whole prom at a hotel just seems like a bad move. I was going to say that. How did the school, you know why? Yeah, like, where are the adults here? You know why? It's because And there are no adults, by the way. There's was... one teacher in this whole goddamn movie. I was going to say it's because they let one teacher plan the entire thing. <laughs> That's the problem. And she seems very chill. <laughs> she seems real chill. But did they not say that the one, the rich girl was the person who had organized the prom? Yeah. And that, I swear to God, li- line for line reading here, on the way in, in the, in the limo, they said... They went $100,000 over budget on the prom. <laughs> like, what was your prom budget? Yeah. I've got to, I, I got to assume our prom budget uh, when, when we were in high school was, I don't know, 80 bucks plus pizza. I don't even, it wasn't like. Yeah, I think it was like 70 bucks a ticket, but there were like coupled deals. Okay, for instance, how fa- like fancy our prom was, it was held at the same place my parents work christmas party was at like they had this big fountain at the front that i remember when i was a kid they used to just fill it with ice and there would be chocolate milks in there because oh, they yeah. just turned it into a giant cooler and then when we were at prom were... i was really sad yeah. where's I the fucking chocolate i didn't know milk? it was like an actual fountain i thought it was like a drink thing oh you thought it was just always like a big old cooler. giant cooler yeah. that's kind of cool but alas it was a fountain what for are you photos gonna, what are you gonna do right because it's the time of our lives at prom, the real conflict shows up because pff, one of our one of our protagonists is up for prom queen, and so's the mean girl. O M G. And we that's that's the majority of what we talk about throughout this movie, which it's, doesn't really matter. Nope, like, it's not our main character. It has nothing to. We know the killer is at the hotel. Yeah, but yet still, who's gonna be prom queen? <laughs> You know, I, I'm not going to say that the people at the hotel should be uh, screening the guests better, but when somebody's walking around with a baseball cap, looking at their feet all night. And you have a bunch of underage kids running amok that night. Why isn't that a red flag? Yeah. Not I'm... even if there's underage kids, just the fact that somebody is very clearly obscuring their face from all of your security cameras. Well, and two, hotels have special policies for teenagers checking in. Most do not let teenagers check into hotels on their own because they're there to drink and have sex. Like, that's it. You, I think you have to be, like, 21, I think, to rent a hotel room oh, at wow. most places. Unless you're, like, a getaway town. Like, a, a like town Amityville. that's... Where that... What? <laughs> Is Amityville Island, isn't it? Sure. Amity? I think it's just Amity. <laughs> but the fact that the hotel is not closed off that night for this prom, that's clearly, like, huge. They have a red carpet out front. Yeah. And, like, the rest of the high school is, like, quarantined off to be, like, fans. I love that the one... Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love that the one goth couple came, though. <laughs> that, that was pretty classic. So, and, that, and we cut to the hotel lobby a bunch throughout the movie, and it is 
bustling. Yeah. Like for nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night at this hotel that is holding a senior prom, you'd think that they would just be like, we're, 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 we have a private event tonight. <laughs> yeah. But it makes, it makes it real easy for our killer to sneak around. He, you know, outside of the lobby, he kills every single person he sees. And it's not like anybody's like, hey, aren't you that guy from the news? They said you escaped from prison. It's just like, hello, sir, would you like towels? And he's just like, yeah, <laughs> yes, I'll kill you. In my room, please. <laughs> I don't even know why he kills. Oh, I know why he kills the maid, because he wants to get her master key. But he doesn't have His, to kill her to do it. He could say- just, like, steal it. His obsession is pretty wishy-washy. It drove him for three years in prison to break out of jail, and now he has her in his sight line. He ha- at one point he's in her room while she's alone in there, and then Switchy do the other girls there, and and Donna goes downstairs. But he should be in the peripheral of Donna all night. Like he shouldn't be wanting to let her get out of his sight. But instead, most of the movie, it's like, yeah, Donna's downstairs slow dancing with her boyfriend, which should be threatening to him. There is one scene where he watches her dance and, and have fun with her boyfriend. It really hurts him. But then he's he he just like, you know, I, I like killing a little bit more than I like Donna. So I'm going to kill some hotel employees and then I'm going to kill all of her friends and then I will get Donna. Yeah. He's on floor three for most of this movie, and the prom is not on floor three. He spends so much time going back up to the room. Yeah! Yeah, like he follows each of them, and then he hangs out, and he's looking at their... (laughs) He's looking through their photo albums and stuff. Oh, man. And hiding bodies in the fucking ceiling. Well, yeah, that's because in this universe, uh, the entire human body only contains two to three ounces of blood at any given time. That's what I'm, that's what I'm running there's on no in this movie. There's no blood in this movie. No, there's very, very little, and the, which is not a big deal. I don't care. I don't need buckets of blood to enjoy the movie. I, I don't need to have an R rating to but enjoy the movie. But when people are being killed by a knife, like, if fine, be PG-13, don't let them use a knife. Give them a, like a cord or something. Well, I mean, even you outside- You strangle people. Even outside of that, don't build murder set pieces into your movie. Like, that's the other thing. Like, there are your your standard slasher giallo murder set pieces where we, we're in the room with them and, like, oh, tension's rising and we really sort of relish in the murder a bit. But Well, and he pre-pulls out his knife for every murder. Yeah. <laughs> like, ching! Is that a running gag on the podcast now? No, it just came out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just, I don't, well, I mean, I know why they did it. It's for ratings and all, but oh, well. Okay, let's talk about I want to talk about. Yeah. Let us discuss mm. his obsession with hiding in closets. Because yeah. this movie is just a timeline of this guy in closets. He hides in a lot of closets. And these are the deepest closets I've ever seen. They are the they are the closets to Nim or whatever that the line in which and the wardrobe of murder closets. That's that wardrobe, yeah. Holy shit, the beginning of the movie. Donna Terrified by a closet in her front entrance. Oh, but it's just a subtle fake scare. And then in the prom, everybody goes upstairs to go get their purse out of the closet. We are in that prom hotel closet six times. Yep. I could t- probably tell you how many hangers are in there. For how The hangers <laughs> are top build. <laughs> yeah, there's so much space for him to disappear inside the closet. And then in the end, he's in the fucking closet in her bedroom. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot so closet much closets. Stuff. Oh, it's a helicopter. Hmm. I couldn't figure out what the sound was. Yeah, we have a ravine behind us, so 
if, if they're ever looking for somebody, they always end up here. <laughs> oh, God. No, not like a dead person. I mean, like somebody who like ran a light and abandoned their car or something. <laughs> Can you imagine like running a red light? Whoop, whoop. Oh, God. <laughs> Bail out. This car's stolen. <laughs> That's how I picture any helicopter situation going Just down. All criminals. <laughs> Get the eye in the sky. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's to me that just means that you picture yourself committing crimes. Like, <laughs> like no matter what the crime, no oh, matter man. how low level, I accidentally take a pack of gun. I'm just gonna run. <laughs> She's on foot. She's on foot. Just like a bunch of Walmart greeters chasing you in one helicopter. It's just a nervous reaction, John. <laughs> I'm sorry. I left the gun behind me. <laughs> yeah. That's good. The helicopter's gone, so we could keep talking about this movie. Yeah, I think so. Do you know what I do want to talk about? Uh, you sh- no, I don't. <laughs> like, if you want me to guess. The only good character in this movie. You mean, like, good person or good character? Decent person. Okay. Written character. A character oh, okay. that actually has a personality. Sure. You know who it is. It's that kid from Twilight. Yes! Yeah, he's, the, <laughs> he's the boyfriend of the mean girl. But he's he has maybe... Three minutes of screen time in this whole movie, and he is such a good dude. Yeah, when he first shows up, you think, "Oh, great, another jackass." But he's just, uh, he's just hanging out, and he's very happy to see his friend, who's in competition with him, maybe be prom king. Like he's totally fine with it. In fact, his shitty girlfriend's like, "I can't possibly let." That girl be prom queen, and I am not sharing the throne with her boyfriend. And then he was just like, he's head quarterback. You could do worse. You could do a lot worse. He's great. (laughs) And then when they get up on stage, he like slyly gives them a high five. They had a low-key high five. It was just like dudes supporting dudes, which you like, you never see that. No. And at the end, too, when uh, he's outside, everybody's been herded outside because they pulled the fire alarm. They're trying to find the killer. They know he's which in the Which was such building. a weird and bad cop move. Terrible cop move. We'll get to it because the cops in this movie suck, even though it's Idris Alba. Who's like so studly he's, with his copiness. Yeah, okay. He's a terrible cop. I will give you that. But in this movie. his gun holster thing, it's just like pretty great suspender situation. So everybody's. A plus plus. A plus. <laughs> Plus, uh, Idris plus plus. They're they're outside, <laughs> and he's he's relaying some info to Donna's boyfriend that she went back up to the room, and he's like, "Why couldn't you fucking tell me sooner, man?" And just the look on his face, like, "I'm just I'm just trying to help." I literally here. just got I just here. yeah. <laughs> it's like there's hurt in his face because he's just like, "I'm just a good guy trying to help I, out." What I tried. <laughs> he's the best character in this movie. Yeah, that's the only person I liked. Five minutes of scream time. Yeah. I mean, Ronnie's all right, but I mean, like, he's got nothing to him. Okay, let's also talk to, there's a there's a floor, because of course there's a floor that is under construction. Yeah, there which is. Which, you're like, finally, another interesting set piece. Oh, yeah. Let us use it to its full potential. And boy, do they. <laughs> do they? No. <laughs> no, they don't really. I mean, like. They used the out of commission floor better and scarier in adventures and babysitting yeah you're, you're not wrong uh, especially too because she goes to the elevator she wants to get out she presses the button but i don't think the ele- i don't think it's working right 
Oh, no, it has to work because the door's open and Ronnie's there later. I don't know. I guess he's going floor by floor looking for her, but. Yeah, he's just like tying up the elevator. Yeah. I mean, it looks cool. I mean, the, honestly, this this floor of the hotel that's that they say is under construction is very clearly haunted because it looks like it's been under construction forever. for a century. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just always been under construction. Well, apparently it's where like the pool and the gym are. So maybe all of their equipment is outdated and they're just like, we'll just leave it under construction. And then when anybody checks in, it's like, <laughs> nobody uses Sorry, the gym. Sorry, the, the gym is closed. It's under construction. <laughs> you can go up and down these stairs if you'd like that's an idea we put you on the top floors and then the and broke the elevator complimentary you. you just have to pay the the hotel service fee of 5.95 a night you're like for stairs yeah stairs and slow wi-fi <laughs> yeah stairs and wi-fi in the lobby oh <laughs> don't you hate wi-fi in the lobby Ugh. it's a journalist's nightmare <laughs> <laughs> I only write well when I look disheveled. Don't make me come down here. You mean I have to review in pants? I will say the kill on the haunted under construction floor was the only okay, like, POV kind of kill they did for, like, PG-13. It's behind that, like, translucent tarp. And he sl- I think he slashes her neck or whatever. And yeah. there's just, like, a little spritz of blood on the tarp. And I was like, okay. I'll give you that one. That one was okay. Yeah, it looked good. I mean, because you still got their silhouettes behind it. She's still kind of, you see her like slowly stop struggling while the blood's dripping. Can I tell you, the cinematographer for this movie, also the cinematographer for It Chapter 2. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And th- 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 I don't know why I decided to do research on this movie and no other movie ever. Back on <laughs> kills. So I I wanted to talk about how the first prom girl kill, yeah. the, the one that came up for My Doll and because she hated her boyfriend, that kill was the least satisfying of the movie because he kills her in the bathroom, but mm-hmm. we cut away for like the majority of the kill and we get a couple like flashes. Is that the one where we get the, where we linger on the, the so every kill lingers on an object in the room that's witnessing the, the kill. Most right? of the time it's hangers. Most it's hangers. There's, <laughs> there is one really good shot actually where I, we, we first get the hangers. I was like, wow, hangers again, eh? And then we cut out to the inside the room where like this kid has spilled his whiskey glass and we're seeing him get stabbed through, through the, the whiskey, whiskey glass. glass. Yeah, that, that was, was okay. good. I like that. That was okay. I'm into that. <laughs> But Idris Alba, I think it's time we get into... A++. A++, moving on. No, the cops in this movie... They're so bad. They rescue Donna because they think the killer is at the hotel. They're correct. He is at the hotel. But they have one detective drive her home. She should be in police custody at this point. They should be taking her somewhere secure. They take her to her home. Yeah, that's a big mistake. And it's it's about five minutes that she's at her home. She's changed into her jam jam. She's going to sleep with her boyfriend because he's allowed to sleep over. Uh, because, you know, it's extenuating circumstances. Sure. Just keep this door open. Yep. Bread loaf. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jim don't want no fuss fuss in here. <laughs> I thought it was just that one detective there for so long. It wasn't until he randomly talks to like a shirt outside that you're like, oh, thank God. There's more than one police officer here. Yeah. There's a whole SWAT team at the hotel. They should have just put her in the fucking SWAT van. That's she would idea. have been safer. Or the police station, you know, where all of the police are. I just also think they shouldn't have pulled the fire alarm. He was like, all right, I need you to we go need get chaos. Donna. Yeah, right? That's the one thing you need when you're trying to find somebody who you don't want to know you're looking for. You, you make your presence known. <laughs> yeah, he tells her to go find Donna. And then 
before the 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 other detective can find Donna, they pull the fire alarm. Yeah, like th- there's no confirmed. <laughs> nope. I mean, it gives him the perfect opportunity to attack Donna with no one else around upstairs before escaping in um before Blair escaping. Blair Witch Project guy's clothes. Yeah, he escapes in the the clothes of the one of the guys in the Blair Witch Project who got strangled for no reason, really no reason. Um, I don't know there why. There was a full-on moment where he he could have decided, like, no, I don't really need to kill this guy. I can continue stalking Donna. But he's like, no, fuck it. I'm going to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's not like when people come looking for other people who are missing, making more people go missing is the best way to... Not draw attention to yourself. <laughs> yeah, like, that's not an inconspicuous move at all. Oh, man. We keep sending people up to the third floor, but they never come back. There's, like, six maid carts up there in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, either everybody's having sex with teenagers, or it's the one murderer we let into the hotel. <laughs> Wait, isn't that guy with the conspicuous hat up there? That guy was <laughs> walking good. around like Joe in that fucking You Show on Netflix. Just, like, stalking and murdering girls, season two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would also like to take this point where we, so we're talking about, uh, he finally gets Donna, um, he confronts her, she, they're, they're in the gigantic suite, he's bashing through the door, he's coming for her, she takes the one move out of her playbook that she remembers from three years ago and hides under the bed, where, su- surprise reveal, a dead body with a thimble of blood coming out of the mouth is there beside her. Um, that's this movie's move. Yeah, the thimble of blood out the mouth. I mean, that's that's anybody. That's any movie's move, right? Like that's the universal sign for you've died. They did that to the brother. It was just like no discernible wounds, but they're like speckle of blood. <laughs> yeah, I'm like is he a vampire? <laughs> what movie is this? And I, I I guess I don't really have much else to say other than the fact that she is a horrible final girl, and it's not. She does her kick fault. him in the face a few times when he's in her bedroom. Like once or twice, yeah. I guess. Like so that that's the extent of her fighting back. Outside of that, it's it's run and then into the arms of Idris Alba, and that's it. Yeah, like that's literally it. She doesn't she doesn't do any fighting back. She doesn't do anything for herself. And you know maybe maybe they decided they wanted to try and take a more realistic approach where this is actually an adult who's actually stalking this teenage girl who's ill-equipped to fight back. Because in real life, this is maybe how it would go down. Maybe you land a blow. Like, th- maybe that's it. Yeah. But outside of that, you need police. Yeah. Because how much how much are you really going to fight back? But end of the movie. If they were going for, like, real life or whatever, she shouldn't have just not taken her anti-anxiety medication because she <laughs> wanted to feel prom. <laughs> yeah. That's not how anxiety medication fucking works. <laughs> no, it's something that you take every single fucking day. <laughs> At the same time. Yeah. She's like, I, I don't want to be numb. It. I'm going to skip it today. <laughs> they're, all, they're clearly placebos. <laughs> like, they're giving her sugar pills. <laughs> it's just, uh, what is it, Pez? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they put it in this really easy to eat holder. Look, it's it's that Dracula that counts numbers on Sesame Street. <laughs> At the end of the movie, though, she's at home, and uh, the crazy teacher has shown up. He's killed all the police officers outside, killed her boyfriend. In an instant. In an she instant. took a pee, and yeah. everybody died. <laughs> yeah, he killed her boyfriend, uh, left him in the bed, and is now in the room. No, he's in the hallway or something. Oh, my oh no, he is in the room. Idris Elba is the shadow in the hallway. Yes, exactly. And so Idris Alba basically just like breaks in the nick of time, shoots this guy. She screams, gets into Idris Alba's arms, and then fucking credits. Just credits. 
credits. So, like, who is this girl? She's... Ugh, All of her friends are dead. Yeah. Like, her life is over. Her boyfriend is dead. She's probably committed. There's no arc for her. She doesn't grow. She doesn't combat her demons. She doesn't fight back. None of that stuff that you would expect to see in a slasher movie, especially about somebody who has a stalker who's coming back. Yeah, it's something like dealing with PTSD and... Yeah, you know, We instead... just have more PTSD, I guess. Yeah, like... Just shovel it on. <laughs> Like, if this was a sitcom, it, it's single, single female victim losing all her friends. <laughs> like, that's, that's it. That's all she does. She's just, she's just a black hole that if you get too close to her, you will have your throat cut. That's it. That's, that's all. Yeah. It's very unlucky to be near the final girl. Well, I mean, that's true about any movie, really. <laughs> but, I mean, there's no, there's no catharsis. There's no nothing. There's nothing at the end of this movie. You don't feel glad that she made it out alive like you don't and it's not like we end on a dour note where we're like wow i think this girl's really gonna be fucked up forever it's just like oh well at least idris elba got there it's yeah like oh they're hugging like yeah what oh thank god the gun was invented without the gun we couldn't have beat this (laughs) knife (laughs) gun always beats crazy yeah so yeah it is very much a lifetime movie remake of prom night Okay, so what is your rating of the Prom Night remake? I hate being mean. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think there's anything about this movie that I like at all. Um, I'm giving it a 0.5 out of 4. I'm giving it a 0.5 out of 4 as well. Yeah. Like, there are some interesting shots and stuff yeah, here the, the and there. The thing, too, is, like, it's not awful. It's just that in my personal ranking, bland is worse than bad you know what i mean like why not strive for greatness and fail hard sure you know what i mean (laughs) i mean it's like every bad prom movie i've ever seen but some of the kids also get killed so that's cool yeah so i feel bad giving it a 0.5 out of 4 but i mean in terms like we're all horror people here we've seen a lot of these things 0.5 out of (laughs) 4 Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Moving on. We are going to talk about another prom night. We are talking about the remake of Carrie. This was always such a peaceful town. I don't want to use the word conspiracy, but that's what it's looking like. Her mother was a fanatic. I don't know how she lived with her. To believe something supernatural happened here defies logic and explanation. 
There's one thing no one seems to understand. She wasn't some monster. She was just a girl. Directed by Kimberly Pierce, 2013's Carrie is currently sitting at a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, 3 out of 4 from RogerEbert.com, 53% on Metacritic, and 2.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Hmm, pretty like middle of the road, which I guess this kind of came out right before... I guess, no, what was this, 2013? 2013. I was going to say, were people already really, like, I'm trying to think of... Where it's in the era of remakes? Well, the period of, like, you can't just be on the fence with things. Like, I find now it's it's very hard to just be like, eh, about a movie, because with the connectivity, the level of connectivity, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram... Everybody's a reviewer. Everybody is a journalist. Everybody is a film critic. So you can't just be like, yeah, it was okay. I think by 2013, we were already seeing that. Yeah. So I think it's kind of impressive <laughs> that this film just kind of like loaded along the middle. Because I, so I had never seen this film before. I didn't really have any interest in seeing it. It came out while I was in my mid-20s. So like I kind of missed that high school remake resurgence of these types of films like, yeah, sure. yeah. we caught prom night but i think it was just like a random occurrence like we saw it in theaters but i i don't i i think both of us were just like not vibing with it before we even went in because i i think we were just like three four years too old for these movies when they came out yeah uh, i think it was also just a matter of uh 2013 how many years ago uh, we were very poor by 2013, so <laughs> I think it was just a matter of selectively choosing what movies we were seeing in the theater. Yeah. Had this come out in, like, 2007, 2008, I would have probably been all over this movie. Oh, sure. Uh, regardless of its, its merits, to be real. Like, yeah. I would have been, like, 17, 18, and... Like, oh, this movie's about me. Bud. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> I think this is probably my first time seeing the movie from beginning to end. I've definitely seen bits. Um, you know, either it was just like on HBO in the background Oh, somewhere. really? This movie has been completely, I mean, apart from the fact that it's a remake to a movie I'm very yeah, well you know familiar story. with. Yeah. I, I mm. haven't seen any of this movie. All okay, cool. I know is the cover of it. I didn't know anything going in apart from, obviously, what I brought. I, 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 as, as per uh, Brian De Palma's carry. Of course, yeah. I, I have, uh, I, I think the only scene in the movie that's like really clear in my memory is the ending, like where she's sort of tearing the town up after prom. Mm-hmm. That's about, I think that might have been the only scene I saw. Uh, and that and something with Julianna Moore, um, who is an interesting character in this movie. I think we get more of Carrie's mom in the remake than we think we definitely get more of Carrie's mom in the remake than we ever did in Brian De Palma's Carrie. Uh, You don't think so? So I'm going to argue two things. I'm going to say we probably get more screen time with Carrie's mom in De Palma's Carrie. Okay. But 2013 Carrie tries to tell us a little bit more about who this woman is. Agreed. Yeah. And I think that's maybe its strongest point. 
Yeah, there's some interesting stuff about her. I mean, I get a little angry about it because I'm just like, why are we following her? Well, the, the, even in the De Palma one, though, there's like a whole bunch. There's a really long scene. Mom where she's, chopping carrots. <laughs> mom chopping carrots. Mom uh, walking around trying to sell pamphlets to raise money for the church, I guess, or possibly her own pocketbook. I'm not sure. But she goes to... Well, I guess it's a matter of figuring out what her job is, because in the 2013, she's a seamstress. Which is a good idea. That really ties in well with the the prom season thing. She actually hems Sue's prom dress. I thought it was going to play in more, because, I mean, if she's the seamstress for the small town, she's probably hemming a lot of prom dresses. Good point. So this is probably, like, high season of hate for her anyway. High season of hate! <laughs> oh, that's a heavy metal album right there. <laughs> Yeah, I hear it. <laughs> because it's all these it's all these girls dressing immodestly and she is part of that. Like she is lowering necklines and raising hemlines. Well, she definitely has a problem with it. I'm I'm curious if you think in that scene whether or not she cuz she starts stabbing herself with a uh, something sharp. Um it's a it's a sewing tool or a seamstress tool. I'm not quite sure what it is. I assume it's for popping stitches. But either way, she starts stabbing her leg. You can see that she's done it before. Do you think it's because she is a unwilling participant in prom season? Or is it just the fact that she's having this conversation with a woman she doesn't want to have a conversation with? And that's, that's her escape. Because uh, for her, I think pain is what helps keep her close to God. Like, that's part of the flagellation thing that you usually see in movies. Yeah. So I wanted it to be the fact that she was having, like, un unwell thoughts or, like, sinful thoughts. Um, About that woman? Yeah. Oh! But I don't, I don't think that's the case. That's just wishful thinking on my part. But it's probably because she's engaging in the act of monetizing something that is, in her mind, sinful. The, the dress is a sinful color. It's got a sinful hemline. She's just, you know, trying to balance her crazy scales. Uh, I think Julianna Moore does a really cool job, but if we're going to start talking about this movie from the beginning, I think maybe my favorite scene in the movie is the opening scene where she has the baby. Based on a stupid okay. fan theory I have that I don't have anything to back up No, with. I think you're totally, totally 100% on the money with it. And, I mean, I, I don't like it, but given the absurdity of... What you and now I believe. <laughs> I I, I kind of love it. <laughs> okay, so while we were watching it, um, it something just kind of struck me. She has this baby that she didn't know she was having. She's very, very clearly pregnant. Is this cancer? Yes, she believes that her 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 boyfriend. I think right. Carrie's father has given her cancer with his penis. Um, and that's the pain she feels, not pregnancy. So she's very surprised when there's a baby in her lap uh, after after going through what looks like a rough labor. There's blood all over that's the That's a normal labor, John. There's blood all over the house. Anyway, I <laughs> I'm, don't know anything about childbirth. <laughs> the point is, so she sees this baby and uh, she immediately says to herself, this is a test. Like, this is a test from God. And she... It thinks she has to destroy it because with the biggest pair of scissors, seamstress scissors. Oh, I guess that's true. Are the scissors are seamstress scissors big? I didn't. I guess. <laughs> All right, <laughs> they look great though. So she goes to stab this baby, and she stops like mere. I was gonna say centimeters, like fractions of an inch from from the baby's face. Looks great, uh, and I think this is Carrie White's 
first use of telekinetic powers. I think she, because she opens her eyes and makes eye contact with her mom. So, like, you could also argue there was, like, oh, she's oh, made bonded. a connection. Yeah, she's bonded with she her child. She baby birded on me. <laughs> no, not at all, I don't think. I think Carrie is, like... I a- exist now. Yeah, I think it's a power that Carrie doesn't necessarily have control over. I think it's a fight-or-flight response, and she was able to telekinetically stop her mother from killing her and forcing her, making her believe she loves her in some way. And I think that maybe explains kind of their relationship, the rest of both of their arcs. Because mm-hmm. she really does not... Well, she says she loves her. But there is it's love with very strong conditions, and there is a lot of... What what is the word? Because it's it's not like quite hate, but it's it's is she afraid of her daughter? Like I don't I don't know what I'm. Yeah, also to the potential because she knows at some point she she cannot keep her under her thumb forever. Yeah, she will become an adult, and especially too, we kind of learn through the trouble at school, which we all kind of know the um, the taunting with the oh no I have my period and I don't know what it is scene that at least in this scenario. Carrie was homeschooled and was brought into the public school system and it was kind of a forced thing, which is a really great way to explain the fact that in modern day, Carrie doesn't understand what her period is because if she was part of a regular school system, even for a year or two, she would have had sex ed. Yeah. I think you can, you can opt out of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I got the impression that this is maybe her first year yeah in public school that's what i was feeling yeah so she really skipped all the sex ed stuff because it's senior prom well she's only like 16 so i think she got invited by like a year up like maybe the popular girls are older than her oh good point maybe she's 16 but she they bumped her ahead because she's smart she's got all those smarts she got all those brain schools or homeschool smarts sure i don't know i'm not gonna lie all i really want to talk about this episode is carrie and her mom's relationship because and i I think that that that's maybe the credit to this movie is that they they do for me i i I enjoyed uh thinking about that fucking house like what that house is like day in day out uh and just like the two of those characters at each other because and, like, this is true about Brian De Palma's Carrie and probably also Stephen King's novella, which it's been years since I've read, so I might as well just say I've never read it. I don't remember a damn thing about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I read it, too, and I don't remember. You know, she, like any parent, doesn't want to see her kid make the same mistakes she did. But her mistake seems so loaded with eternal damnation. Like, if you make a mistake, you will go to hell, and I made a mistake, but I'm paying for it every day by harming myself and... And and trying to make sure you also have a shitty life. Like, she's doing everything she can to grovel at God's feet so that way he won't cast her into fire. Well, I think it's alluded to that she was raped. And oh. Carrie is the product of rape. I completely missed that. Yeah. It, when, she, when they're embracing on the stairs, she says something to the fact that, like, he took her. Okay, that's true. Because they were they were both Christian, from what I understand. Yeah, and they were praying together, and then I think he just... he looked at her with those eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't pick up. And on I that. think it's okay. also alluded to in the novel as well. Got it. Because yeah. yeah, maybe that's. I mean, that's maybe I a like little in, over the top. But... I like in De Palma's that it. I think in De Palma's she gives she gives in in a moment, like she has a moment of weakness. Yeah, and that's what is making her this crazy wild out christian woman she realized how weakless how weak she was yeah and she's just like she's a, another level of crazy into palmas yeah so i would say 
Piper Laurie is the caricature, like the uh, whatever happened to baby Jane version of yes, Carrie's mom, right? Absolutely. But Julianna Moore is scary. Like Julianna Moore is is like the uh, was it the bath- she can drive and she can uh, she can hold a job like that's scary because Carrie will go home to that. Like she's not gonna get put into child services. Oh man, there's that scene where she picks her up from school at the beginning and she's like, "We're gonna go inside and we're gonna talk about this." And she's like, "No, mom, I want to talk about it in the car." Like I thought that was great because it's like. Once we go into the house, that's your fucking territory. And there's no, and there's the, then the I'm curtains in the are closet. drawn. Yeah, then I'm in the closet. Yeah. Her closet was not nearly as scary in this one. It was, it was like a Harry Potter closet. Like there was enough room for her to have a yeah. nap in there. She did have a nap in there. <laughs> Which I'm realizing now. And the Jesuses weren't nearly as scary as De Palma's Jesus. What's up with the Jesus doll in Brian De Palma's Carrie? Like they painted the eyes on, right? He, I swear to God, they were like little Christmas lights. It's weird. <laughs> It's great. It's a good final shot, like especially with um with Piper Laurie and Mom sort of fading into Jesus, like in those same Getting in those crucified. Images. Fuck, it looks real good. But up to that, you're like, what are the choices that they were making on the day? I love it. <laughs> no, I like it too. Okay, but even now, I was when, gonna throw something at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even now, when we when we rewatch it, I at first I'm like, that why why that doll? But it works. It really it really works. And that's actually one of the really interesting things about... So, side note, though, about yeah, that yeah, doll. Yeah, yeah, and, and what I think they were going for, and it's so weird that I'm going to be relating Carrie to Home Alone. Let's get into it. But you know when Kevin is scared of the basement? Yeah. And the furnace becomes this, like, terrifying horror moment? Yeah. Where it's, like, talking to him and the, the fire's growing and it's, it becomes this caricature of what a furnace is because he's a kid and this is how he's looking at it. I almost feel like the Jesus doll is... An interpretation, like a physical oh. manifestation of Carrie's, of like what religion means to Carrie, and it's terrifying. Okay. So it's almost like a not literal thing, which makes sense that it's in this shadowy dark room that she gets hidden in because she's stuck with like her mind. I don't know. No, I'm with you. Yeah, that's wicked. Because yeah. there should there should maybe only be enough light coming in from the bottom of the door that she can just make out the features of it. Which is creepy because then it it's just creepy. like her her brain is manifesting this thing, so it becomes this this absurdly obtuse Jesus doll. Do you think that like all of those years of it, like we'll call it prayer, but probably mostly just introspection, like locked in that closet, is what it was like putting Carrie in the telekinetic gym? Like she's just like fucking flexing until she turns sixteen, where she really just, yeah. That's that's a really great point. Yeah. So the uh the, you know the powers in this movie. She's got a lot of powers in this she movie. She has a lot of powers in this movie. I, you know, it's not like she has any more powers than than the original, but she sure uses them a lot. Her powers have a lot more morality in this one, which is maybe my only complaint. Morality. She doesn't kill everyone in the gym. Oh, yeah. That's a mistake. Yeah. And yeah. She, yeah. I think that was just a, a decision that, well, it's a decision somebody made. There was a, de- it was like, a definite decision. These kids don't deserve to die. How about just the bullies? But see, that removes the tragedy of Carrie. Yes. Carrie is such a perfect little, like, capsule of a tragedy that it cannot be a full grapefruit if you take that wedge out. Like, if you take out her final act i agree I, i'm a thousand percent with you it's also like i'm only just now thinking about the idea that an entire small town just died 
Because the, the generation that was supposed to grow up was wiped out. Except for one girl. Yeah. But in this one, it's just, you know, some kids got killed at the at prom. I guess there's a few people that aren't supposed to die. Like, there's that kid who uh, was photographing her at prom. Was taking photos of everybody. Yeah. But uh, she has a relationship with people photographing her, so that's not... Uh, well, I'm not gonna say it's but not her fault. But she saves the teacher, and there's just... Yeah, and she saves the teacher, like... The teacher's death in the first carry is really upsetting. Like, really upsetting. All of the deaths in the first carry are upsetting. Because nobody deserves it, right? And, you know... It's a tragedy, because Carrie doesn't deserve it, and Carrie is a direct reflection of what her life has been like up until this point. Yes. And it's, and I mean, like, in a supernatural sense, it's it's kind of like a warning, like, be careful who you bully because you don't know sure. um, yeah. what power they harness. But yeah. it's also just this, this outward expression of the damage that's been caused. From being excluded from everything. Yeah. Like, not even just at school, but also This could home. very well be part, could just be a suicide. Like, if she didn't yeah. have power. So that's, that's something she's else. She's opting that. to not be part of society. It's nuts. And it's, it's cool because it's, like, the one time she made a decision, and it was to, like, remove herself from everything, and she took a lot of people with her. Um... But it's the people that made her and made her feel the way she did. So, I mean, like, it is it is very dark. We're not saying, like, yeah, fucking Carrie, great. Well, she also happens to be a teenager. So, like, oh, you yeah. put somebody with, with this monumental power into a volatile situation. They're going to explode. As, as per being a teenager. Yeah. And this is what you get. Yeah, you get zero to 100 at every turn. It's it's so funny you were talking about it as sort of like as a suicide thing because like that's lately how I've been looking at the Carrie story. Like we all we we have all these stories about like oh Johnny uh, Johnny Skywalker was on his way to prom and he drove off a cliff and they never found his body but they you know every year we put great like we put flowers like the stories of kids that died at prom or the stories of kids that didn't make it to prom. It's... You're, you're talking about like ghost stories on yes, Are I you am. Afraid of the Dark. Yes, I am exactly <laughs> that. But instead, it's and they a girl... pick me up at the local graveyard on Fear Street. Oh yeah, like the sixties music hiking is to playing prom. on the radio. <laughs> Got to be back by nine. Yeah, so it's it's kind of that, but instead it's a girl who went to prom. And, like, not only did, like, she never necessarily thought that she would ever do that. And she finally goes, and it's just as horrific as dying in a car accident on the way to prom. Or, or for that matter, in the original Carrie, how she kills everybody. Like, instead of one person dying before going to prom, and it sort of, like, paints a picture of your entire teenage life. Like, the virgin suicides or something, Struck down right? too soon. Well, it's, it's everyone at prom but Carrie died. Yeah. And then, you know, she goes home and some rocks barrier and stuff, but you know, like I just like there's one survivor versus the one kid who died that we all talk about every time we go to a reunion. That rock thing is not in the book. Good. I looked it up. So, Why is it in <laughs> So wait, let me tell you about the book. <laughs> the end of the book, Carrie goes to where she was like conceived, like a roadhouse or something. Okay. And before she goes there, she sends, like, a telepathic message to the whole town, Mm -hmm. like, claiming the incident at the high school, and Sue Snell meets her there. And then she kind of, like, dies in Sue Snell's arms because her mom has stabbed her. Okay, so she has gone home to see her mother at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I don't know how I feel about that telepathic message. Like, yo, 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 Carrie White here. (laughs) (laughs) Burned it down. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't love that all the kids survive prom. It's my biggest qualm about the film. Yeah. And the and the weird thing is going into this, I knew the age, I kind of knew the poster, I knew the image of this movie. I thought my biggest gripe was going to be the CGI use because sure. I knew there was going to be some some telepathic Oh yeah. Uh, She's juggling books and tricks. shit. Yeah. yeah. I honestly didn't mind the CGI. It looked fine. Yeah, I mean, there is still some, like, 2013, like, you can tell that it's 10 years old, almost. Yeah. But I kind of, they, if you're making a decision, like, they, they, they made that decision that we're gonna do stuff, and they went with it, and I'm totally fine with it. Like, when Carrie gets covered in the blood, Oh, and you get the first... fucking triple take? Like, you get so much okay, coverage. Okay, so I wasn't talking about that yet. But okay. I was just saying when she gets covered with the blood and she starts to use her powers, that the blood starts to, like, drip upwards. Oh, yeah. Which is also mirrored in the title, which I liked. Yeah, I was just, okay, we're gonna do this. And then the car's floating a little bit, and there's some, like, some glass CGI, which looked a little hokey. The mirror looked a little hokey. I, I like that scene. But I, it was fine. I had bought into the CGI. I think you just need to like let it wash over you and it is what it is. And there's not really any other way to do that. So agreed. I'm in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, like there's that scene where she, you were talking about the mirror where she smashes the mirror and then she starts to sort of piece it back together in the air. And then you're seeing her reflection sort of fragmented through all these broken pieces of mirror. Uh huh. I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was good. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so... Uh... That said, though, I think the bully who is responsible for everything at prom, kicking off Carrie going on her homicidal journey, I don't like her in this movie. And I'm not supposed to like her. She's not a good person. Um, but They give her a lot of time, but I don't think they're quite sure how bad of a person yeah, she is. She literally goes from be like really relishing it and just like, ooh, I'm, this is all a, I'm loving this. Can't wait to ruin this girl's life. Like you'd almost think she's a budding serial killer, but then she immediately has deep regret or second thoughts, and then slip, and then changes on a dime. And like, then it becomes her boyfriend who's driving the bullying. He's the one that kills the pig. Yeah, He's yeah. the one that's like really forcing her to do this, and it just it becomes almost like an abusive relationship at the end. Yes, yes, and no though, because it's it's like depending. They shot it like they did, and then she's like, "Run her down," and you're yeah. like, "I." Yeah, it just, it felt very wishy-washy. It felt like they were, the way they shot Willem Dafoe in American Psycho, where they had, okay, each take, we're going to do several takes of this, and in each one, you either believe them, don't believe them, or you're not sure. And then they did that with her, and they just jumbled them together, yeah. and it, it didn't work. Like, obviously, that's not what they did, but I just, tonally, I don't think they got a read on what they wanted that character to be. Yeah, I kind of felt that way about all of the characters. Yes, and I think it's because the movie doesn't want to paint any one person as being as being a villain. Nobody in this movie is out and out shitty. Mm -hmm. So nobody, quote unquote, deserves to die, including Carrie. The same sense, though, all of the characters in... I'm going to use Brian De Palma's because I remember it better than the story. In Brian De Palma's Carrie feel like real human beings. The teacher feels like a whole human. Chris feels like a whole human. What Chris does to Carrie in that is shitty. She doesn't deserve to die. And at no point is the audience on board with anybody being murdered in Carrie because it is it is a tragedy and we understand it's a tragedy. Yeah. You don't need to like pussyfoot around people being bad or good or not because 
they're kids still. Like, they get an extra kind of a pass. The only thing I will say is what really bothered me in this one was the addition of uploading the footage and that just flying on nobody's radar. That added a level of bullying that needed police involvement, expulsions. Like, that Yeah, they sort of teased that a little, but then they walked away from it. Yeah, like, Chris should have been expelled for uploading that video. They should have had people looking into who uploaded it, what IP address, like... That is that is next level. That is that is too far for the the principal to be like. You can't go to prom. Like they also really drive the nail in the coffin by playing it at prom after dunking blood on her. Yeah. Like whoa, that's a lot. That's yeah, a lot. That was super dark. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, my biggest thing was that I I really wanted to get to was the fact that the characters just didn't connect fully for me. Even Carrie, she. Her kind of her one move was to like be surprised by her powers every time they happened. And she was very sheepish in almost a shallow way. Like I didn't I didn't really see who Carrie was before the dance. They they tried to show her, but she was too I don't know, too TV meek. Yes, thank you. Yeah. It's weird. Sissy Spacek does a very good job. There maybe it's just her level line. of believability. Like maybe. um Chloe Grace Moretz, she is stunning and she's a very familiar face unfortunately which i think is what makes it harder to see her in this wallflowery role well yeah because you see her next to ansel elgort you're just like yeah you two look like you would go out yeah (laughs) you you two fit there was almost too like i almost wish that they didn't lighten her hair to like a strawberry blonde to match sissy spacex i know julian moore is like a natural redhead but her hair is literally the same color as mom's hair. And it, it just, it it felt like we were trying very hard to make the carry home feel like the De Palma carry home. Yeah. I, I don't know how I would have made that early version of Carrie resonate more. Because, I mean, they, they hit all the beats. They said all the same lines. She said mama a bunch. Like She did. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I, I didn't love it. Like I, I love the I, I like I really like some of the ideas and I like some of the approach and I, I definitely like I was saying, you know, <laughs> my appreciation for the the mother daughter relationship really kind of took over the majority of what I wanted to talk about today, which was a surprise, but um, wasn't in love with it. Yeah, I wasn't in love with it either. What are you gonna do? Yeah, it's, I, a, it's a hard story though. Like I don't know what what else they could have done to given this like a refresh or an update. Without changing the story too much. They added phones. <laughs> That's what they did. Yeah. But I mean, not much else has changed. High school still sucks. Kids are still shitty. But they got phones now, so watch the fuck out. <laughs> I've heard, you know, a lot of people saying a lot of things about the movie. But I think it mostly just comes from their love of the original. So I'm glad I saw it now and not when it came out. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Because I have a level of like indifference to it that I could literally just let it wash over me without being like, okay, let's watch this CGI snooze fest. Yeah. Oh, what do you mean you're not going to have the nightmare ending <laughs> like the original? Like, who cares? I was kind of sad there was no nightmare. I was a little upset too, but Especially I mean, when we knew that this snoo, which, this snoo. <laughs> snoo. <laughs> this new snail, uh, this Sue snail, which is a, what a terrible name. How dare you, Stephen King, give the friggin' popular girl name like Sue Snoo snail. Yeah. I thought that there was going to be a great nightmare at the end of this one as soon as we saw sue barfing in the girl's bathroom i was like oh, 
she's pregnant. I thought it was going to begin how this movie began with a, a birth, but it would be a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been wicked. You'd like bookend with, uh, with a little becoming a mom segment. So what's your rating of Carrie? I'm going to go two out of four. Yeah, I think I'm going to go two out of four, too. Yeah. I was thinking one and a half, but like, I thought so you too. know what? Yeah. I would watch this again. The CGI yeah. was not bad. It was fine. It was fun. Two out of four from both of us. It looks like Carrie is our winner in our uh, in our prom, bloody prom episode. It's a night to remember, John. <laughs> well, it's A night to was. remember again. Ooh. Yeah. Let us know what you thought of the prom remake and the Carrie remake. Uh, from 2008 and 2013, respectively. You can tweet at us at NOFS Podcast on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram at Nightmare on Film Street. And you can find us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash horror fiends of NOFS. Nightmare on Film Street is listener supported by fiends like yourselves. If you'd like to support us, head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street and check out all of the bonus content available to you as a monthly supporter of the show. Yeah, and if you can't support Nightmare on Film Street right now, we totally understand. We totally get it. Uh, If you wouldn't mind, please leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're grabbing this podcast. It really helps us climb the charts and get in front of more people. Yeah, or just recommend the show to a friend of yours that you like talking to about horror movies. But that's it from us. Until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion? Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.